Um, I want to really just jump right on into this. If, how many of you have already been here several weeks in a row for Take Your Life Back, all right? It's been good, and I, I want to highly encourage you. If you haven't been here the past two weeks, go online and catch up. These first two messages in this series will re- really, really change your life. They've been changing my life as I've been sharing them with you. And we're going to go, first of all, into our theme scripture this morning, which is from Joel chapter 2. We're going to read it all together. You can join um, on the screen in your Bible. And if you'd like, take out your bullets and actually on the inside of the bullets, and you'll find a little outline that will help you follow along with the message. Joel chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. Rejoice, you people of Jerusalem. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for the rain he sends demonstrates his faithfulness. Once more, the autumn rains will come. And I think that Atlanta got the message this morning because also the rains of spring will come, all right? Uh, We've been getting the message a lot lately. (laughs) The threshing floors will again be piled high with grain, and the presses will overflow with new wine and olive oil. The Lord says, I will give you back. Come on, let's read that together. I will give you back. That's right. What you lost to the swarming locust, the hopping locust, the stripping locust, and the cutting locust. It was I who sent this great destroying army against you. We know that Jesus, this is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to rescue us. Jesus came to give us forgiveness. And Jesus came to redeem. Could you say redeem? Redeem. The word redeem means to take it back, right? Jesus came to redeem us. And this, this scripture we read in Joel, when it talks about the rain, the rain of autumn and the rain of spring, and then the wine and the oil, all of that represents the coming and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us. And we talked the whole month of January about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? And then this month, I've been telling you again and again, and I'll say it again this morning, the Holy Spirit in our lives comes with a great promise. And that promise is, does anybody remember from the past three weeks? The great promise when the Holy Spirit is poured out on our lives is that we will be restored. Say restoration. That's right. We will be able to take back what has been stolen from us. It is time to take our life back. The first week, we talked about taking our soul back. Man, that one's still messing with me. In fact, you want to be here next Sunday because we're going to kind of like give part two of of that. We're going to talk about taking our future back, okay? Okay. But we talked about boundaries. Whoo, anybody been working on your boundaries? Anybody been hurting with those boundaries? Come on, just keep on going. Don't give up. We're going to talk more about it next Sunday, so be here, all right? And then last week, we talked about a very specific boundary when we talked about taking our time back. Has anybody been working on your margin a little bit this week? Has anybody had your margin challenged a little bit this week? Don't give up. Keep on going. Today... Again, if you, if you weren't here for those, go online and catch up. It really will help you out. Today, in honor of Valentine's Week and Church and Time Sunday, right, we're going to talk about taking our relationships back, okay? Again, if you want to follow along there in your outline inside your bulletin, relationships are all about love, right? Everybody say love. Love is the foundation of relationships, And if we want to take back our relationships, we've got to take back love, right? We've got to take back love. So does does anybody want to learn another language this morning? All right, how about we learn a little bit of Greek? 
Because the New Testament in the Bible was written in Greek, right? Most of it is written in Greek. And in the Bible, specifically in the New Testament, there are four words for love. It's not just love. There's actually four different words. When you read the New Testament, if you were to read it in the original language in Greek, you wouldn't just read love, 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 love. There would be four different words for love. Everybody say four. All right, are you ready to pronounce this? Okay, the first one is eros. Everybody say eros, which is the kind of love that refers to romantic feelings, sexual desire, physical attraction, and yes, it is where we get the word erotic, so I'm not going to spend a lot more time on that one. But this is the type of love that is a physical attraction thing, like towards your spouse or the opposite sex, right? And then we have, can you say storge? Storge. This is family bonds, like strong affection between parents and children, okay? Between brother and sister, between siblings, right? It's family love. Say storge. And then we have philia. Philia, okay? Which is deep friendship or brotherly affection, right? We have a city up in Pennsylvania known as Philadelphia, right? And it is the city of brotherly love, right? And it, it does come from the word philia, which means brotherly affection, brotherly love, okay? And then we get to the most important lo- word about love, and it's the word that we're going to be totally focusing on for the rest of the day, and that is the word agape. Everybody say agape. Agape is that word that you read when you read in the Bible that is talking about God's immeasurable, incomparable, pure, perfect, sacrificial, and unconditional love for humankind. It is a supernatural love. It's not just love like feelings, like human feelings. No, it goes above and beyond feelings. It is supernatural. It's the, we could say it's the God kind of love. All right, say agape. I'm, I'm going to make y'all say agape a lot today. Is that all right? So let's read what might possibly be um, one of the most important scriptures in the Gospels because it ties a lot of things together. This is known as the greatest commandment. In fact, Jesus taught later on that if we fulfill this commandment, we fulfill all the commandments, all right? And it is Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. Come on, let's say agape. I want you to understand what we read the word love in this scripture, it is the word agape, okay? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must agape. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Does that verse really say I'm to love God with the love of God? It sure does. It says agape in Greek, all right? The second is equally important. Except a lot of times we just do the, we try to do the first one and we forget about the second one. But Jesus said it's equally important love with agape, your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Come on, say agape God, agape yourself, and agape your neighbor. Come on, say God, I agape you. And point at yourself and say, me, I agape you, 
Be careful with this one, but point to somebody else and say, I agape you too. Uh Uh-oh, we're going to get in trouble with that one. Three keys to taking our relationships back. I mean, I think you came this morning. A lot of you came because you knew the topic we were going to talk about. How many want to take their relationships back? Some of you may be like, I'm just trying to get out of one. (laughs) Right, but... And, 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 and sometimes we're going to learn, sometimes that, that is a good thing, right? But we're going to talk about the God perspective of, of taking our relationships back, the God perspective of love in general, all right? So you have three main points there, and I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to go ahead and give them to you now, and then we're going to break them down. The first one is love God. Love God. The second one is love yourself. Love yourself, and the third one is love others. God, yourself, and others. Let's talk about loving God for just a minute. The only way to truly cultivate healthy relationships with people, because people are complicated, aren't we? The only way to cultivate Healthy, which isn't necessarily a natural thing to be healthy with complicated people. Turn to some, I told you, I'm going to make you talk about it. I turn to somebody and say, you're complicated. And then tell them right back at you. Right? If we want to cultivate healthy relationships with people, we need to cultivate a healthy relationship with God. And I say cultivate because healthy relationships are not an automatic thing, right? And how many of you have come to find out a healthy relationship with God is not an automatic thing? It takes intentionality. It takes work, right? Now, I want us to look at some more agape scriptures. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And again, when we read the word love in this scripture, it is agape, okay? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Who produces it? Wait, you, you, I don't produce it myself? No, no, no. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Ready? Read that first one. Love. Agape. That's right. Not just philia or eros or storge. Agape. It says the Holy Spirit produces agape love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? There is no law against these things, right? If we live our life like that, we're never going to break the law. There's no law against those, that, that way of living, right? But it says that the Holy Spirit produces agape, right? It's the God kind of love in us. Did you know that you can have dwelling on the inside of you, possessing your heart, and coming through you God's agape love? His love, right? It's impossible to naturally manufacture or fabricate this love. I have tried. You ever tried to love somebody beyond your own love? And the more you try, the more you don't love, right? It's impossible to manufacture agape. It is a supernatural thing that only the Spirit of God on the inside of a person can produce. Okay? Now, only through developing this deep love for God... And a strong connection, an intimate connection with his spirit, can we experience this agape love first for our 
ourselves. And then we reflect it back to him. See, that blew my mind. I'll tell you, I've been studying the Bible for over 20 years. I went to Bible school. I have a theology degree and all that. But I never knew that that scripture said to love God with the love of God. Until I read it in Greek this week. And it said for me to agape God. How can you love God with the love of God? You can't. The only way to love God, it's not really humanly possible to truly love God, except for you to receive the love of God for yourself and then reflect it back to him. The only way to love God is to be loved by God. The only way to express love to God, to show love to God, to live a life in love with God, is to first know the love of God for myself. It's the only way. 1 John 4, 19, it says we love him because, not just because, right? People don't love God just because. It says because he loved us first, right? He first loved us. And this is where a lot of people need to just grab a hold of this today. Are you ready? Loving God starts with God loving us. Loving God starts with God loving me. To give love to God starts with me receiving love from God. We can only truly love God when we experience his agape love for us and reflect it back to him. So in reality, loving God would be better said as I love you back. Anybody want to tell the Lord that today? Want to say, I love you back. To love God really is really, really. When you get down to the nitty-gritty, it doesn't come from you. It comes from a heart that's been touched by his love. And then we just give it back to him, right? Love God. Number two, love yourself. This is where a lot of us uh, go wrong. But if we experience God's love and believe God's love for us, then we will begin to see ourselves through the lens of God's love. If you know and experience God's love for you, you will see you different. You will see yourself differently. Back to Mark 12 again. It says, you know, a lot of people read this, love God and love your neighbor. The two things, love God and love your neighbor, but there are actually three. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. I can't love my neighbor. I can't love others if I don't love myself. And there's, there's no way I can love myself how I'm supposed to love myself if I don't know the love of God for myself. See, but when I know the love of God for myself, when I know how much God loves me, then I'll see me through a different set of glasses, right? You cannot truly value others until you first value yourself you <laughs> you cannot truly value yourself unless you've come to know the love of God for yourself love reveals value the way God loves us shows how much he values us 
And he loved us so much that he wasn't willing to remain separated for eternity from us. So he himself came to earth as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, right? And when he came, he didn't just talk about love. He went to the cross and died there in our place. To prove his love for us. Come on, somebody say, he proved it. God doesn't just say he loves us. He proved his love for us. He went to the cross and took our place and paid the price for our sin, for our shame, for our guilt, so that we no longer have to carry it. He proved his love and he showed how highly valuable we are to him. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you got to love yourself. Because he loves you that much. See, that's how valuable you are. There's a lot to love about you. Some of you just need to embrace that today. Maybe just say, there's a lot to love about me. (laughs) How do I love myself? You must first see yourself and subsequently treat yourself as someone created in the image of God. Loved by God. You are created in the image of God. He put his image on you and in you. And he loves you with an eternal, perfect, unconditional love. So much that even though you and I, we turned our backs on him, he came to rescue us by going to the cross. There's an awful lot to love about you. You are so highly valuable to God. You've got to see yourself through the lenses of his love. Now, That brings us really kind of full circle back to week one, back to self-respect, self-control, and the B word, boundaries, right? Boundaries. You ready? Boundaries are self-love. Boundaries are self-love because boundary, the, when I establish boundaries and respect boundaries, I'm loving on myself. I'm protecting my own self, my own soul. I'm, I'm making sure that the gate is properly installed and I'm letting in and out what I need to let in and out because I value myself. Self-love, boundaries... Come on, somebody. I know that some of you really need to go back and listen to that because I'm not saying just, we just need to let everybody and everything in. We learned week one. There's a lot of stuff and a lot of people we probably shouldn't be letting in, right? And we need to establish those boundaries and gates that we determine when we open and close to take care of ourselves. And when we love ourselves, it makes it possible to love others. When I'm not valuing and loving myself, it is impossible for me to love you. Love yourself. When I take care of my own soul, I cultivate a soul that can love others. When I take care of my own soul, I cultivate a soul that can love others. Now, a little, I put a little asterisk by this one, all right? You might want to write this one down because this like hit me. There's two things that I weren't necessarily in my points, but it really hit me as I was preparing. And this is one of them. 
obeying God is also loving myself. Okay, let me, let me, let me. Because when, okay, if I love myself, I will do what's best for me, right? There is nothing better for me than to be full of God's blessings and favor on my life. And guess how I walk in a life of blessing and favor? Obedience to God. So when I obey God, I'm doing the best thing for myself because I'm literally positioning myself under his blessings. Obeying God, obedience to God is self-love. It's not just love to God, it's love for myself, right? Come on, I want this to sink in. Sink in. Say, when I obey God, I'm loving on myself. You've got to love God and yourself if you're going to do number three, which is love others. We have to know the love of God to be able to love ourselves. And the only way to love others if we do, is if we do the first two. Love others, number three. When we experience, when we receive and experience the love of God, and then because we experience the love of God, then we subsequently love ourselves, right? Then we can actually see and value others as God sees and values others. If I see myself the way God sees me, I can see you the way God sees you, right? If I don't see myself the way God sees me, then I'm not going to see you the way God sees you. I'm going to see you the way I see myself. We see, our, we see others the way we see ourselves. And then we reflect on them that very thing. If I see myself as greatly, unconditionally loved by God and so highly valuable that Jesus went to the cross for me, I will see you as greatly and highly valuable to God, someone for whom Jesus went to the cross. And I'll be able to love you not with just a natural love, which is good to have brotherly love and all that other stuff, right? But if I can see you the way God sees you, I can love you with a different love. I can love you in a different way. I can even love you like Jesus said, even if you're my enemy. The love of God doesn't love others for what they do, but for who they are. And who are others? Loved by God, just like I am. Loving others is the result of being loved by God and then loving yourself. And then the Spirit of God produces in us His love. Now, what does that look like? Because we can say that all day long, up and down, right? We can, oh, just love others, you know, and love wins and love this and love everything. Okay, well, good. What does it look like? It's not a feeling we're learning, right? Come on, somebody. God's love for us was more than a feeling. Aren't you glad? It was a cross. <laughs> Dear children, John, uh, 1 John 3.18. Here we go with some more agape. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Woo, what does agape act like? We're talking about loving others. Well, what does that act like? What does it look like, Right? You can sit in the corner all day long in, in your closet with the light turned off and think happy thoughts about people. 
But that's not the love of God. I hope you do think happy thoughts about people. I think some not so happy thoughts about some people sometimes. And then I'm, let the agape <laughs> take over, right? But what does it actually act like? Because love is more than just words. It's actions. Amen? What does it look like? Well, I'm going to read you two different translations of the same passage. Is that all right? Because instead of preaching it, I'm going to let the word preach for itself. Is that all right? This is, this is like, a, this is like a, a message. This is a sermon all in itself. Just these few little scriptures. You ready? Let's read it together um, on the screen. It says, okay, so before I start reading it, this is what it acts like, okay? Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Ouch. It does not demand its own way. Uh Uh-oh, come on. Agape is patient and kind. Agape, that's what this is saying. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. And agape keeps no record of being wronged. Uh Uh-oh, somebody needs to erase their list this morning. (laughs) I've had to throw some list out before. am Am I the only one? Agape does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Sometimes I'm like, I'm not sure what that means. Wait till the next translation. You'll see. Agape never gives up. The love of God never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. Love will last forever. The love of God. That's the New Living Translation. Let's read the Passion Translation. Love. Agape, remember, the love of God is large and incredibly patient. Shatata, okay. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. Consistently kind. Not just kind when it feels kind. It refuses to be jealous. That doesn't mean it might not feel some every, every once in a while, but we refuse it. When blessings come to somebody else, whoo. Love, agape love, does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. God's love does not traffic in shame or disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. God's love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. God's love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Means you don't feel good when things go bad for somebody else. God's love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Agape never takes failure as defeat. For it never gives up. Love never stops loving. God's love never stops loving. This is what it looks like to love others with the love of God. Does anybody need to grow in agape? Your pastor is the number one. We need to grow in this love. And don't worry if you're thinking, I'm not very good at that. We're going to pray some other prayers from the scriptures at the end of this uh, of the message today that talk about growing in this because we need to grow. Now, just 
as we get ready for our, uh, I gave my three points, but this week we're going to have a bonus point. Is that okay? Yeah. Just as we get ready for the bonus point, I had another um, asterisk here in my notes, okay? Do you know what a word of wisdom is? A word of wisdom is when it's like God is speaking something very specifically to us right now that's going to help us out to know what to do next, Okay? And I really felt this week as I was praying and preparing for this, this was a word of wisdom for our church, okay? So I'm just going to read it. Are y'all ready? False expectations are not love. One big reason we have a hard time loving others is false expectations. Why? Because that is loving the idea of what you hope somebody should be rather than loving them for who they actually are. We create ideas of who we want people to be and how we want them to act or think they should be and should act. And when they don't or can't live up to those expectations, we struggle to love them. We struggle to love them for who they really are. We love the ideal person, but we don't love the real defective one. So today, as my lovely bride Liz comes on up, let's lay down our false expectations and start loving and growing in God's unconditional agape, okay? You ready for the bonus point? This is going to be fun. And I need to get my stuff out of your way. There. (laughs) Uh, I want to put a slide that I, as a media team... I don't know if we have it there. People ask me, do I need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Bra? How do you say bra? <laughs> I'm too Mexican, sorry. <laughs> you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. I need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart, right? So this is uh, what I want to share with you guys today, something that the Lord, uh, we, can, we can take it off now, something that God's been teaching me in the last couple of months, you know, uh, how many of you found yourself in, in, with relationship problems? Yeah. Lately, you know, lately, you know, it seems sometimes that uh, there are like those serious relationship problems, you know, that I know some of you are going through. That I pray that today, you know, um, you will hear the voice of God about what to do. But there are some other times that you just have little problems all over there. And not necessarily you, but you know that a friend has a problem with this friend or this family member or with your mom or with your sister and with your brother. And those little conflicts like problems, conflicts here and there. I don't know how many of you have been through something like that. This is what I've been struggling for the last couple of months. And, so, and as I've been seeking God about my relationships and as we are getting ready... You know, I feel like the Holy Spirit has been telling me, Liz, why don't you ask me what I think about your relationships? You know, sometimes we like to process with people a lot. We like to talk to friends, you know, this person did this to me and this and that. You know, you talk with people about people and that gets complicated because normally we talk, you know, you, you, let's be honest. Can we be honest? You know, sometimes we just want to hear what we want to hear. We want to hear people that agree with what I want to do. So depending on what I want to hear, I ask certain people. If I want people to just to sugar my ear, telling me, no, this, you're right, I'm going to get my wisdom from down. But if I really want to be challenged and growth, I need to get my wisdom up. 
you know. And sometimes even the people gives us wisdom in, in a higher perspective, we still refuse, you know. And we're like, yeah, I don't know how about that. I don't know what the God is speaking to me. You know, let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit, it is the spirit of the living God. And in John 16, 13, it says that he will guide us to all truth. The Passion uh, Translation says he is the, the truth-giving spirit. So we don't have to be living in confusion. And we don't have to be living like we have no clue what to do. Because we have access to an all-given truth spirit. So the problem is that we don't want to listen. And we don't want to obey what the Holy Spirit tells us. There's not such thing as God does not want to talk to you. Really. I've learned through the years. You know, I learned because sometimes I've been through seasons. And somebody, somebody someone uh, one time taught me that the God is in a, I mean, a silent season. God is silent. But, you know, I don't, you know, I was, I was taught wrong. You know, when, when sometimes it feels silent, it's because we don't want to obey. It's because God is telling us the same thing. I'm not going to tell you anything else, honey, because you, you know what you had to do. Okay, so the Holy, uh, we need power of the Holy Spirit for our relationships. Yes. If we want to take back our relationships, we wanna we're going to have to position ourselves in a humble attitude to say, Holy Spirit, tell me what do you think about the boyfriend I'm dating? Yes. Holy Spirit, what do you think about my marriage right now? Holy Spirit, why I don't have any friends? Holy Spirit, why do I get angry with all my friends all the time? Holy Spirit, why am I not connecting with my spouse? Holy Spirit, what do you think about the person I'm living with right now? Holy Spirit, what do you think about the way I speak to my friends? What, Holy Spirit, could you help me connect with my children? Could you help me connect with my parents? Holy Spirit, what do you think about the way I carry out my relationships? I want to challenge you today. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to us. Now, the Holy Spirit is not going to come all flashy with thunder. The Holy Spirit, sometimes he whispers. And so, sometimes we like to talk, 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 but we don't listen, listen, listen. And I am one example of that. You know, I like to process by talking. <laughs> Those who know me like, are laughing. And, and, and something that the Holy Spirit has been challenging me, when I ask the Holy Spirit, I have to sit still and listen to that small, quiet voice that is truth-giving. So I want you to think, about someone right now that you're struggling with. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe you don't even have a relationship with yourself because you don't love yourself. And right now, think about that person. Think about that family member. Think about that spouse. Think about that children, uh, your children, whatever relationship. How many of you, do, can you show me if you have someone you, you're thinking about right now? You know, Right now, in your mind, ask, Holy Spirit, what do you think about this situation? Now, if you don't have a relationship with God today, you can have one. 
and you can hear his voice and he can tell you and he can guide you this you know Jesus went to heaven but he says I will not leave you alone I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit and he will guide you to all truth he will remind you of Jesus and he will give you power and he will comfort you you know comfort is not only you know you know the Holy Spirit is going to ask us to love with agape right and I need help to love with agape like a lot of help you know not because you serve God and your pastor it means that you have like this like superpower to love no 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 we're just as humans so we need the, the power of the Holy Spirit and he says he comfort us that means that he help us while we're doing something hard you know recently Anna was throwing up in the middle of the night big time and I hate throw like throw up you know I'm not good but I had to comfort her through something hard you know and I'm like it's okay you know it's okay you can throw up come on you know and like the puke is coming out and I'm catching it and I'm dying you know but I'm like it's I'm comfort her I'm comforting her that's how the Holy Spirit does with me you know it's okay you can't forgive you can let go you know let go of anger come on move on so I want to um, show you an, an example of what the Holy Spirit has been teaching me do you want to see this example Okay, so I want to go to 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7, and I want to see if we can start the, the Passion Translation first. You know, as I've been seeking God about my relationships, about the people that I'm struggling with, you know, in my life, in many areas, and when, the, and when I see people struggling, the Lord gave me this scripture, and, and, and it's funny because this is not a scripture about relationships. You know, it's not the, the Corinthians one that everybody, you know, it's powerful. It's good, I'm not saying. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like um, God was telling me, Liz, okay, think about that person that you're struggling with, right? Think about, I, you know, put it in your mind. And I, as, I, as, as, as he told me, the Holy Spirit was like, think about the, that person or this situation. And he says, Liz, you know, I'm going to read this. So devote yourself to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness. And to goodness at understanding. And to understanding at a strength of self-control. And to self-control at patient endurance. And to patient endurance at godliness. And to godliness at mercy toward your brothers and sisters. And mercy towards others at an ending love. Okay, so I feel like God was showing me. And I saw this in my, in my, in my head. And Archie's going to help me a little bit. Okay, but I'm going to start with faith. You know, faith. I said, Liz, you, faith is believe God, believing God, right? And some of us here believe God, believe what the Word of God says, and we believe we should treat others, you know, like, like we would like to be, you know, treated and love others as we love ourselves. So we're not going to go around, you know, beating up people, hopefully mistreating people and being rude, right? And that's good, but sometimes we, I stop here. I'm a good person. Are you guys, a good, you know, I'm like considering myself, I'm not like going and kicking children you know or doing things like we don't do these things we consider ourselves good people right we have because our faith taught us to be respectful and to honor people you know but God was saying Liz in that relationship that you think you're good you know why don't you add goodness and I'm like what is goodness what's goodness goodness is the heart of God so what is God has in his heart for this relationship, situation, problem that I'm struggling with? 
Now, guys, at this level, this just this level, we're not done. It requires the power of the Holy Spirit. It requires that I sit down and I listen. God, God like, what's your heart towards that person? Because I have a heart towards that person. Is like, this is what I feel. This is what I think. But what do you think? What's your heart towards that person? And then the Holy Spirit is like, listen, okay, but I'm not done. Okay, what about supplement with understanding? And with understanding, oh no, oh yes, yes, understanding. This means the way that God thinks. This is when, when, you, when I sit down and I ask, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you think about my relationship with this person? Then we have understanding from God, not what my feelings or my reactions want to do. But he doesn't stop there. He says, Liz, add the strength of self-control. <laughs> you know? Because if you like talking, you, you're going to hear the piece of my mind, you know. But, you know, the Holy Spirit was telling me self-control are boundaries. Boundaries. What are you allowing yourself to come out of your mouth? What are you allowing yourself to listen to? Who are you listening to? Are you listening to the devil? Or are you listening to me? You know. Boundaries is not just like building a wall, you know, like don't come to me. No, you know, it's also opening up so you let go unforgiveness, so you let go bitterness, so you let go anger, so you let go bad attitudes, bad thoughts. Things are poisoning us. And I'm like, whoa, you know, Holy Spirit, no, like, you know, like this is like, this is another level. Yes, it is another level. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. So I was like, whoa, well, this is great. But then he's like, no. Why do you supplement with patient endurance in your relationships or in the situation? Patience, endurance. What does patient endurance mean? Keep on going. Keep on going. Keep on going. Keep on going. Keep supplementing goodness, understanding, self-control, and keep on going and keep on going. You know, sometimes relationships are hard. Sometimes, you know, a family member is sick and you need patient endurance to keep on driving them, taking them to the hospital, going to doctor's appointments. You know, that's how patient endurance is. Patient endurance is this more, you, you forgive and you forgive again and you forgive again and you forgive again because why? God has forgiven us every single day. We should forgive like he has forgiven us. And then I'm like, whoa, patient endurance, you know, this is it. And he's like, no, no, no. Let's add godliness. What is godliness? To be like God. Now, what would Liz do in this situation? Or what, Hunter, what do you think you should do, we should do in this situation? Or, hey, friend, what do you think? This friend did this to me, da, da, da. Why? God, what do you think? I want to be like you. What would you say? What would Jesus do? <laughs> no, really. Sometimes we act like, like we ask God, but we really don't. I, I do that all the time. You know, because I know, you know, I have to forgive, but it's like, oh, you know, we know. And we keep on going and talking to friends and talking to other friends because we just want to hear what we want to hear. 
And then I thought like, okay, wow, this is great, God. You know, I don't think I can even do that, but I'll try. But that's my, because I know, like, no, no, you can. Let's add mercy. You know when mercy is, another version, the NLT version is when it says brotherly affection. This is philia, that kind of love. Up to here is philia. And then he says, and to that supplement with an ending love, which is agape or agape. Thank you, Arjun. You're like the Holy Spirit helping me. <laughs> Truly, this is higher than ourselves. This is something that we cannot do. It does not matter how disciplined you are. It does not matter. Religion is not going to take you here. Religion is not going to help us build relationships this way. It's only the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you have not experienced the Holy Spirit, we need to cry out, baptize me with fire. Baptize me with love because I need a supernatural power that is going to help me build my relationships this way. So as you go home, you know, I want you to think about this and, and take your relationships and say, am I supplementing my faith with goodness, understanding, self-control. But listen, I just want to encourage you. Obey what the Holy Spirit is telling you. If he says, stop manipulating, Liz, you stop manipulating. If he says, forgive, we all know we have to forgive. And even when we talk to people, I hear all the time, I know the Bible says I have to forgive. But it stays in knowledge. But we need to take action. And say, right now, I forgive. I let go. You know, so I just encourage you. Listen and obey the Holy Spirit, the giver of truth. We don't have to live in confusion. We don't have to live like we don't know what to do. Because we have access to the spirit of giving truth. Just to finish this up before we have some time to pray, pray for you. I was reading, you know, this week in the Word, and a lot of what you read in the Word sometimes is, is actually prayers. And these are two prayers that I want to pray as declarations over us. As a church family, I'm going to declare it over you. As an individual, because I don't know about you, but studying and hearing and listening to all of this is like, I think I might need to grow a little. The good thing is, Philippians 1.9 says, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. We need our love to grow until it abounds, until it's more than enough. And if the Apostle Paul prayed it for the church at Philippi, 
I pray it today for Encounter Church. I pray it today for myself. I pray it today for you. I pray it for this family. I pray it today for those relationships in distress, marriages in distress, sibling rivalry, friends who can't reconcile, whatever it may be. I pray today that your agape, that the love of God in you may abound more and more and more in knowledge and all discernment. And I also pray over you today. The Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Thessalonica in, in, in 1 Thessalonians 3. May the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow. Just as our love for you overflows. May he, as a result, make your hearts strong. Come on, family. This makes our hearts strong. The love of God makes our hearts strong, blameless, and holy. As you stand before God, our Father, when the Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. It's the love of God. Growing and abounding to the point of overflowing that gives us a strong, blameless, and holy heart. You can stand your feet.